We, oh, I'm about to be Pentecostal right now. We don't need to be sad this morning because we are celebrating five years together as a church. And let me tell you, I did not anticipate five years ago that this is how we would be in celebrating five years as a church. Uh, we're seeing half your face and less than half the people. <laughs> because of it, uh, but it is the world that we live in, and I think as we sang in the songs today during worship, a testament to God's faithfulness that we are still here. Uh, there are many, I, I shared with our volunteers this morning, there are many churches that have not made it through the last couple of years, and I've been reflecting on how there are many pastors that have not made it over the last couple of years, and I know everybody here can... Um, feel, right, the burnout, the extra depression that has creeped at the door, the times of loneliness and sadness that have happened over the last couple of years, and um, praise God for his faithfulness to us, that whether you're online or here in person, that we can be together to celebrate what God has done. And I'm going to be very honest. I have up until about two to three weeks ago, I have been, like I've said, it's, it has been a struggle. Um, you know, this is basically a pastor's worst nightmare, everything that has happened in the last couple of years in, in reality. But uh, as I've, I took a week off in between Christmas and New Year's, we are moving into our new home and spent a lot of time cleaning and praying. Uh, <laughs> during that week. And, you know, I love how those two things go. I'm, I'm like very ADD, so I can't ever do one thing at a time. I have to fidget while I do other things. So if I'm on the phone, if I've ever called you, you can pretty much be guaranteed I am walking somewhere. I pace while I talk because I have to do something. Or if I'm in a Zoom call with you, you can be guaranteed that I'm clicking a pen, highlighting something on my computer and unhighlighting it, or... I have something in my hand that I'm throwing back and forth. Um, one thing that I've experienced that is fun is to clean and pray, have worship music on, and or just spend some time with God in a quiet house and while the kids sleep. My wife goes to bed before the kids do, so I get to have the night <laughs> to myself. And in that time of reflection and prayer, what has happened, I got to turn this timer on, it's, it's you know, anniversary week. I could go on. Uh, what has happened is I, I've seen a spark of excitement for what God is going to do uh, in this next year. What I was also sharing this morning with the team is I'm not a, uh, what do you call those, the new year, new me people type of person. No, no shame and no, you know, like if you are, no shade on you. Uh, I don't do New Year's resolutions. I want to change something about my life. I get up and I change it. Uh, but I do feel like walking into this new year, what God was sharing was just a sense of hope, uh, hope in his faithfulness and in, in building his church. And as I was praying through what to share today, every year I like to kind of share something uh, for what God will have for us. I believe that what God wanted me to share was going back to the basics. Uh, 
of what he called us to do from the very beginning as a church and what we have a unique opportunity to do now, which is really start from the beginning and be able to work on this together. And what I think is actually more important now, mid, post, whatever the heck you want to call this pandemic, wherever we are in it, you know, every wave right before the wave or post-pandemic, and then we're back in and in, in pandemic. Um, but I believe it's actually more needed now than it was when we first started five years ago, what God has called us to do as a church. Because all of the issues that as we pray through and thought through, what type of church does our community, what type of church does our city need? I believe God was very clear with us what type of church he was calling us to be. What, is ha what, what we have seen the problems were five years ago have only been exacerbated in the last couple of years during the pandemic. And so I believe what God has called us to is even more important now than it was five years ago. And I remember when we first started the church, what is so interesting is in the first six months, every single new person was so shocked when they walked in that we were such a young church. We, you know, we had the full band, the space that we had, the amount of people that we have. And now it's the reversal. It's like, you know, you come and it's like, you've been around for five years? And it's, it's, it was something that at first I wanted to scorn that, but now I celebrate with God because what has happened, I believe, and has been happening is God has stripped away so much so that all we are left with are the two most important things that make up the church. And that is Jesus at the head and the body to surround. That's Jesus here with us regularly and each other to support, care for, and love one another. And in the beginning of the church, we decided that we were going to live by these values. You know, we started off with these three values and one of them got changed along the way. But these are this verse that is kind of our anchor verse as a church that we come back to over and over and over again has all of these three values in it. And this is the church that we are called to be, the, the people that God has called to be. And what I love about this verse, as, as you see on your sheet in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, is that this is the birth of the church that happens. Pentecost just happens, and the church comes on the scene. Thousands of people come to know Jesus because they hear the good news preached in their own language as the Spirit falls on the disciples with fire and they begin to speak in tongues and other languages. And everybody hears the good news preached and then Peter gets up and he preaches the first sermon and that day the church as we know it is birthed. 3,000 people are added to the church. And right after that, what Luke gives us, the writer of Acts, is what the church looks like in its ideal, what the church looks like, this ecclesia, this ruling body of people that is called to witness the good news of the new king and his kingdom, what they are called to do, be together. And I love this because in this verse, what we see is something that to this day, 2,000 years later, that we can live by and we will still see fruit from. So let's read Acts chapter two, verse 42. 
again, this is, Peter is just done preaching. People have been added to the church. And then Luke describes the very beginning stages of the church. And he starts off with this. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. If you continue to read on, I'm gonna read it in a second. What you see is the outcome of what happens when they do this. When the church lives into these values, what I'll simplify in our terminology today, to community, living with one another, to discipleship, the knowledge and obedience of the word in Jesus, and to prayer of conforming and molding ourselves to the will of God. When they live into these things, when they live into these values, the church, the outcomes that happen are astonishing. What do, what do we see? It says, And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. What happened was day by day, as we see Luke says here several times, I think the first issue with the church today is it's usually week by week. We don't live in a world where it is a day-by-day process, where we live with one another, we grow with one another, and we pray with one another. See, what God first called us to be as a church is a, a actual church, not the, the figment of the Western imagination of a church, which is where we go to a building once a week for an hour and a half and check off our religious to-do list so that we can one day make it into heaven and tell God, but look at all the good chores and things that I did. That's not church. Church, when they said church in the Bible, when they were talking, they, they talked about a body. They talked about a living organism, whether it was the vine in the gospels or the body in the epistles, or in the actual Greek word of the church, the ecclesia, which was the ruling body that came together. The church is a group of people, and whenever you see the church in action, it is not by week by week, but it is a day by day. But what has happened in Western world is we have been so consumed with our jobs, with our entertainment, with our schedules, with our distractions, that God and his people have become a side project. And we cannot experience the fullness of God's blessing through his body unless we truly live as the church. Now, let me tell you, most Christians that have been discipled in church will maybe start off and say, well, nobody talks to me. Well, that means you ain't talking to anybody. 
as well. See, the church is not a couple of people's job to make sure that we are all engaged in every facet and somebody is texting me and calling me every single day. No, the church, if you are part of the church, if you are a disciple, if you are one of God's people, then it is your number one priority after being with God to make sure that you are connected to his people. So I want to rid an excuse for a second because it is our priority, it should be our priority to live into what the church is called to be. And so when I talk about these ideals, these, these ideals, these values for us to be as a church, what I, 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 I see the, how the enemy works constantly in our mind and in our heads. And it will be easy for us to say as we work through this, well, I wish somebody would do that with me. But I want to flip that script on you for a second and allow that prayer, God, give me the strength to do this with others here. The church is not the responsibility of just the pastor. It's not the responsibility of just the leaders. It's not the responsibility of just the volunteers. The church is the responsibility of the people, of all of us to work together to do this. We are so inundated with corporate hierarchy that we forget that in the kingdom of God, the least is the greatest. And so in the body, it is not, just, oh, well, that's pastor's job. Scripturally, my job is to equip so that the church can do the work of the ministry. So let me, let me help us be equipped today and realize what are we supposed to be doing as a church? Then when I talk about this fellowship, as it says right here, the fellowship into the breaking of the bread. You know, in the, in the early days when they took communion, Communion, as we do it now, was very different. Communion was a shared meal and experience. And when Jesus said, do this whenever you're together, basically. Whenever you're together, remember me. And community, fellowship, the breaking of bread, it is... When we, we think about today's world and today's, what, what is happening in the world, the, the biggest issue today, study after study, and you know, we don't even need studies to say it, but we all sense this. I can say in conversation after conversation, the biggest thing that is plaguing our society today is loneliness. And I, I on one end, I am extremely sad about this, but on the other end, I get extremely hopeful because I know there is an answer to the loneliness in the world. And the answer to that is the church. See, even Christians, we get stuck in our personal relationship with Jesus. In our one-on-one -on -one relationship with Jesus. But let me tell you, the answer, the good news to loneliness that God has given us is a body of believers who walk beside us and uplift us and care for us and pray for one another and, 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 and love one another. The answer to loneliness, the answer to walking around alone, the, the answer 
to entertainment by yourself every night and being sad and depressed when you go to sleep and when you wake up is the body of Christ. Community is twofold in the church. It's to care for one another, but it's also to allow the world to enter in and see a community that loves and cares. We have seen more people come to Christ in our church through the ministry of community than anything else. When I, you know, I grew up, how you got people saved was you go on Fifth Avenue with a loudspeaker and you put on a skit so that you can get everybody to stand around in a circle and then you, you share your testimony and you preach the gospel. And it worked. It worked in the 80s, it worked in the 90s, and it worked a little bit in the 2000s. But it stopped working. And I believe today the greatest response that we will get to the witness of the good news is love. To show people that there are actually people out in this world that can love them, that can actually be their friend, that can care about them during the week, that can be beyond whatever it is. You know, I always love when I see groups of people, especially in our church, get together that I know and outside of the church, without the gospel in common, without Jesus in common, these people would never be friends. Age, age doesn't matter. Interests don't matter. Job doesn't matter. Wealth doesn't matter. The only thing, the common denominator is Jesus, that Jesus has called us to love one another. And how do we do that as a church? When I think of community, when I, what, what it looks like is literally what we see here in Acts is day by day, we open up our home towards one another that we are willing to sacrifice. In church, the most you hear about sacrifice is usually around giving your money, but we don't talk enough about sacrifice of time in order to care and love and be friends with other people. To sacrifice our space. I lived in a one and a half bedroom apartment with four kids. One of my favorite stories is when Chris came over one time. He was going to teach Judah how to uh, use a beat machine that we bought. And he walked in our apartment. He said, whoa, there's a lot of people here. <laughs> and it was just my family. <laughs> there was nobody else there but us. <laughs> but what, I, what I've shared over and over and over again with people that you know, we, we live in this ideal, this perfectionism, this Instagram, Pinterest world where everything needs to be perfect. I need to cook for you. I need to clean for you. I need to have everything spotless and, and, and perfect looking for you, for you to enter into my space. And what that does is it, it stops us from ever inviting somebody in because everything needs to look great. Now, if you've ever been to my house, we have a couple of essentials. The bathroom will get cleaned. And that's about it. That's it. <laughs> Welcome to life with six. I most likely will not buy you food. We have a rule in my house. If you've ever been, I probably told you this rule. I will buy you food the first time you come. I will not cook it for you. I will buy it for you. 
But then after that, the second time you come and thereafter forevermore, when you come to my house, you are bringing your own food or buying your own food. Why? Because I've learned something very important is that it is more important to have people in my space and around me in my life than it is to clean, cook, and do all the great things. That what is actually way better for my soul and their soul is to be together. It's more important to be together than it is for me to watch my shows. It is more important for us to be together than for me to do whatever routines that I have for my kids. It is more important for us to be together than for me to get the 5,000 things on my to-do list that I need to get done, done. And what happened when we started doing this, when me and Heather started living by this rule that our house was always open towards people, that whenever somebody wanted to come, they could, the richness, I mean, people thought we, we were blessing them by opening up our home, but really we were being blessed by them. It was easier you know, to watch our kids. Our kids didn't bother us as much. That was like number one, the, the blessing that it was. <laughs> the parents low clap, I love it. <laughs> At the end of the night, we were tired, but we were full. Maybe not full of food, but full of joy. <laughs> We were with friends and amongst community. And sometimes those hangouts would go to one, two o'clock in the morning and I had to work the next day. Heather would go to bed at nine o'clock. She didn't even, she did the Irish goodbye. <laughs> didn't say goodbye to anybody. She just went in her bed. Because we, we and, and, the, and the, we have all of these kind of ideals of hosting that then paralyze us from ever doing it. But what is more important is that we be together. than for us to live up to these ideals and these standards. What is stopping you from inviting someone over? Is your place too small? Do you not have enough for food? Is your place too dirty? Is it too cluttered? Here's the only thing that you have to do before the person comes just tell them everything that you hate about your apartment. And then you feel better that you warned them. <laughs> Welcome to New York. <laughs> Life and community is essential for us to be a church. We cannot live alone and call ourselves a church. Every Sunday, we have an opportunity to meet somebody, get somebody's number, and to set a date to hang out with somebody. Heather and I try to live by a rule that our house will have people in it four days a week. The only time we did not live by that rule is the first year of the pandemic. But outside of that, we live by that rule. We may not achieve that every single week because we invite people and they say no, and if I didn't invite you and you're feeling a little left out right now, come to me after service and say, Justin, where is my invite? And I will invite you. You can come Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. The only day that's off limits to everybody is Saturday. That's my day. I just need a day. <laughs> but seriously, 
Every single Sunday, we have an opportunity to meet somebody, to get somebody's number, and to invite somebody into our home. This is the church. Don't worry about the age gap. Don't worry about whatever preoccupations. You know, it's even better. You know, we found is even better is to invite more than one person or one couple over. Because when you invite a group of people over, you don't even have to host them the whole time. That's the secret. Other people will actually talk to each other. And then you host each other in the home. It's the most amazing thing in the world. So all of the preconceptions that we had were shattered because we realized the more people we invited, the more full we were, the less our kids complained and bothered us, and the more people hosted each other, the less burden on us. And so I encourage you today and every week after, if it can't be four nights a week, that's fine. Start off with one. If you can't do one a week, do it once bi-weekly. I'm not gonna let you get to once a month because that's a little crazy. Challenge yourself. If you follow Jesus, you are called to love him and love your neighbor. But if you cannot love the church, how can you love your neighbor? Love is not feelings, it is sacrifice, it is action. Invite someone over. If you really don't want to invite them over, invite them out. Get caught. I'm every single excuse. I'm trying to lay through every single one. I know a great coffee shop in Bay Ridge. <laughs> it's called Blend Coffee and Co-Work. Invite them there. Tell them you know the owner. You won't get a discount, but just let them know that you know the owner. <laughs> trying to stay alive right now. It's a pandemic. Invite someone out. Right? This community is care, is love, is getting to know somebody, is being with somebody, is getting to the place where you love one another. Where, man, I, I always tell people, if you haven't fought with that person, you have not become a friend with that person. You are not loving with church loveness. Because conflict is the first point where you know you've been close with somebody. You may have experienced this with a roommate or a spouse. You thought you were cool until you were close with them. You were in close quarters with them. And then you realize you don't like how they wear their socks during the day. Or you don't like where they put their dish when they're done with it or lack thereof putting it somewhere. Or you don't like how they leave the locks unlocked or locked or turn off the lights or ask you to turn off the lights or leave the bathroom in the state that they leave it in, right? That is conflict. The more conflict you have with somebody and survive with them, the more you grow to love them. And so if you have not had conflict with somebody, do not play yourself that you have loved them in this church. That should be your standard. I want to grow so close to the people that I've had conflict with them. Conflict is not bad if you do it well. As the scripture says, don't gossip, don't go to other people, go to your brother or sister first, talk to them about the misunderstanding, be empathetic, be open, forgive. And guess what Jesus says? You will gain a brother or sister after. That means you will grow closer together. So if you wanna know, am I doing community well? When was the last time I had a fight with somebody in church? If it's been all fake smiles and nods, it hasn't been going well. 
get close with somebody. The second thing is discipleship. Discipleship, it says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, right? We already talked about the fellowship, but to the apostles' teaching. I, I see this come in layers because all good community has discipleship worked in naturally into it. I remember our first dinner party we ever had as a church was even more than five years ago. It was during our preview stage. And, you know, most Christians, if you haven't been a part of Zion in a while, the only reason why you go to somebody's house in the middle of the week is for a Bible study or for a devotional. And so, and especially if you're going to the pastor's house in the middle of the week, you expecting you're going to open up the word, right? And so two hours into our dinner party, I made an announcement. We're not going to be doing any devotionals because a few people had asked me at that point, when are you going to do a devotional? I was like, I'm not doing a devotional. We're not doing, the point of us getting together today is for us to get to know one another and become friends. I know, radical thing in church nowadays. But that was the point of us getting together. But the thing is that just because I did not open the word and share for 20 minutes about some scripture does not mean that Jesus was not discussed, that the word was not cracked open, that people did not grow and sharpen one another in that community. In fact, the entire night, we had people talking about God, talking about the places where they were struggling in their life. And I've even saw people pray for one another that night. And none of people were praying for each other. They were talking about scripture with each other. They were challenging each other. I saw some theological debates happen. And that is the beauty. Discipleship is when we intentionally form ourselves around scripture and Jesus where we don't leave it to chance and that we have people around us that sharpen us. That, that's where community and discipleship meet. But our, do we love scripture? Do we love Jesus? Do we love to learn about him, to know him? I constantly hear people tell me, I wanna know the will of God for my life. I wanna hear the voice of God. My first response every single time is, have you read the Bible? That's God's voice and God's will. We are so preoccupied with our specialness that we forget about just the basics of what God has called us to do. If you are close with him, you need not worry about anything else, Scripture says. Nothing else. You will be fully content, fully joyful, whether your circumstances dictate that you're happy, that you should be happy or not. When you are close with him, that's all you need. You don't need a special door opened. You don't need a special key for 2022. You don't need a special word to get into your next season. No, what you need is closeness to the Father. And you find that so easily by just opening up his word and saying a simple prayer, Holy Spirit, illuminate your scriptures to me as I read. And because I love our values working together, I would say then call somebody and say, this is a scripture I read, or text somebody and say, look at the scripture I read. This is what God spoke to me about it. What have you been reading? Challenge them, put them on the spot. When they say nothing, be like, I'm gonna call you tomorrow and ask you what you read.
See, what happens is when we are so full of the word, when we are so full of God, that everything that we do from that moment will be Christ-centered. We may, when we're hanging out, we may talk about other things, but what is always going to come up? God. It may be how we're struggling with it. It may be what we're reading. It may be what's happening in our life. But guess what? When we are a church that lives into discipleship, we love God's word. We love being like Jesus. And everything that we do, that foundation, as Jesus says in Luke and Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount, that will give us that strong foundation that when anything comes, when anything happens in life, it will, knock down, it will not knock down the house. The house will stand firm because it is built on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. And this last thing here, prayer. Prayer for me growing up was how loud and how long. If you don't do it loud enough and if you don't do it long enough, it's not worth doing. Some of you, prayer may be just a list of petitions, what you want, what you need. But I want you to ponder this definition of prayer, one of conforming. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, they, they had some petition in there that came at the end. Give us this day our daily bread. But there's a whole lot of other stuff in there as well. Praise towards God, first and foremost, a recognition of the Father and who he is. For God's will to be done. Right, so often our prayers are around our will being done and what we want in our life. But I would challenge you when you pray See it as a time not to conform God to your will and your desires, but for you to conform to his will and his desires. When we pray as a church, when we pray as people, what happens is, is prayer should not be an exercise in loneliness. There's, there's absolutely, every day I pray on my own. But that should not be the only time I pray. But prayer should happen in community. Prayer should happen with friends. And if you haven't prayed with somebody in a while, have some, some courage to text or call a friend and say, I am struggling with this. Will you pray with me? I can tell you that it will not only be an encouragement for you, but it will be an encouragement for that person as well. Generally, when I confess what I struggle with, it opens a door for us to both be honest. But whether it does or not, let prayer be an exercise to conform to God and do it with others. See, unless, uh, there's something I've always said since the very beginning of the church, and that is if we look back and we can say, look at what we have done, we have failed. We have completely failed as a church. And I have failed as a pastor. The only way that, when we look at what has happened, that we say, look at what God has done, is if we stay a church that prays. Because that will leave us in the mode that Jesus was, where he said, everything I do, I see the Father doing first. 
Many of us are blind to what the Father has done because we don't have intimacy with the Father to know what he's doing. So when we pray as a church, if you read through Acts, you see over and over and over again, they spend time in prayer and God does powerful things when they pray. The very first thing was the day of Pentecost when they were praying together and the Holy Spirit rushes down to the earth to the disciples and pours himself out, not just on one person for the first time in history, but on a people. And thereafter on his people forevermore to today. As a church, our third value that we want to be marked by, the third thing that we want to be conformed through is prayer. We pray every week after Sunday. We're gonna be opening up uh, one of our, our goals for the first quarter of, our, of, of 2022 is to open up prayer before service every week. So if you wanna come to learn about prayer or you want to, or you love to pray, that we'll have a time where we can get together every week about a half an hour before service and pray for what God is doing. Pray for each other, pray for our service, pray for our church. I don't see Rose, but I know that was her. There she is. <laughs> Church, we just need to, I believe, come back to the basics of what God has called us to do. These three things, I want you to remember them. Community, discipleship, prayer. That is our, our church's rule of life. As we think of what we are being formed by, what we are being formed into, though, that is our rule. That is what God has called us to do. And I, I believe with my heart that it is what this world needs, not just what we need. That as we do this, all three of those values will be wrapped up with mission to spread the good news of God. That if we live into those three things well, what will happen is we will attract the world and we will be a light unto the world. And we will continue to see God's kingdom grow. But as we move into this fifth year, I wanna keep on reminding us of these values. And if there's one action thing you take away, I think the most important thing is find someone, get their number, and hang out with them during the week. Whatever night, whatever works, weekend, weeknight, weekday, depending on your schedule, let's become a church who knows each other, who loves one another, who hangs out with each other, who will sacrifice to be with one another. I believe from there, we can really, truly live into all God has called us to do. Pray with me. Father, thank you.
Thank you for your love and your faithfulness towards us. Thank you, God, for keeping us through this storm. For keeping us through losing our first place, for keeping us through house church, for keeping us through online church, for keeping us through this pandemic, for keeping us, God, as a city on a hill and a light in the darkness. Lord, many of us, loneliness has become our friend and comfort has become our close companion. Help us live lives ready to sacrifice. Lord, and what we see, the blessing, the joy, the peace that is poured out from heaven on us as we live the way that it was meant to be, the way that you call us to. Lord, let it be a longing in our heart that your Holy Spirit kindles to produce action in our lives. And that we would see the blessing of what it means to live the life that you have called your people to live. The joy, the peace, the contentedness in a world always hungering for more. Be with us, Holy Spirit, as we worship.